Hello, my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. Uh, This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful, the wonderful city of Adelaide. It's really marvellous to be able to see you once again this week we're following the theme is the new age all that new and the question we're asking today is what does the bible say about channeling and mediums our co-host today is pastor david butcher and david's the president of the seventh day Adventist church here in south australia and david welcome aboard it's great to have you on board again Good to be here, Gary, and uh, welcome, listeners. I uh, really, I really appreciate it when you're uh, you're in. You've always got a new and a novel thought. Well, we'll see, won't we? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, tell us, what have you been up to lately? Yeah, you asked me that about three minutes ago before we went on air. I did. I that's right. S- and today's Wednesday, isn't it? And I sat down thinking, well, what actually has happened this week? Lots of meetings. Um, Sunday was a, a day with the family, and on uh, Saturday afternoon we did a, an elders training session where we invited uh, all of our elders from our churches, if they were able to, to come in for some training mm-hmm. and focused on some key things in ministry. Um, so what did you focus on? Yeah, look, some of the things that we focused on was, I guess, first impressions when people walk into churches. That was one thing we focused on, the importance of prayer mm-hmm. in the times in which we live mm-hmm. for, for leaders to not necessarily focus on programs, but focus on prayer, the power of prayer. Also, I guess, um, working with people that once walked with God but may have walked away, how, how, to, how to connect with them. That is a real challenge, isn't it? Absolutely. And the, the final thing I guess we covered was... Um, Intergenerational worship, um, mm-hmm. essentially uh, engaging our young and our middle-aged and the older-aged alike all in worship, not yeah. segmenting them but including them all together. That is a wonderful trend that I'm noticing is in coming back into the church now because we certainly went through a period there where it was a very much, you know, a divisions and divide up and, and minister to people individually where more and more now we're actually saying in churches, hey, look, we have to be able to learn to be able to worship together, uh, support each other and build each other up. Absolutely. When I read the Old Testament, this is what they did. The children were there with the adults. Yeah. Uh, and so it is something that is coming back in, which is really good. Mm-hmm. Tell me, David, just, uh, it does actually raise another question. What changes have you actually seen in ministry since, you know, I mean, you've been in ministry a fair while now. So what changes have you actually seen? So I've got grey hair, Gary. You haven't This indeed. is my 16th year in ministry, so not too long. But look, I think um, a number of things, uh, at the moment, people are really searching Mm. for things. They want answers. So there's an instability in the world and uncertainty. So people are searching for things currently. I, I believe that, um, you know, when I entered ministry, uh, you know, I guess there's increasing skepticism mm. about biblical, some biblical things. And so when you work with people with Scripture, uh, where once they would accept the Word of God, yeah. Um, there's also this relativism now where people need to apply it to their own life or or, yeah. or this is what's truth to me. Mm. And I think that that's a challenge, mm. the downgrading, the denigrating of the Word of God. Yeah. Uh, I also think that one of the challenges we face in our culture is that we're all on this treadmill, the treadmill of mortgages and life and uh, 
everything the world throws at us actually makes us more busier with less time. Yeah. That's one of the things that I've certainly noticed myself because one of the real challenges is, you know, we've talked, you know, how let's let's train, you know, train people to do ministry and they're certainly competent people able to do ministry, but it's this time element that uh, uh, increasingly uh, families are actually struggling with. They are. And so one of the challenges I think that all Christians may face on a family front is uh, we can't leave if, – if you send your children to a Christian school, mm-hmm. we shouldn't leave the Christianity side of things to the school. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't leave it to the church. Essentially, um, the core unit is the family. Yeah. A- and so – are families investing in their children uh, spiritually? Yeah. Are they teaching them? Are they training them? It's very easy, isn't it, to, uh, to, to move off responsibility to the church or to the school. Uh, you know, we become so involved in, in our own work. And I'm conscious, even as, uh, as pastoral leaders, we actually find and face exactly the same issue. Absolutely, we do. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think, Gary, one of the other factors that I think is coming back into the church that I see, which is a real positive, is a larger emphasis to a greater degree on trying to empower church members to minister. In other words, trying to reduce the divide between clergy, the ministers, and the church members. Now, that comes with a double-edged sword. Oh, sorry, it doesn't come with a double-edged sword, but there's a, there's a, a factor that pushes against mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. So... Everyone is a minister. God yep. call, has yep. called each one of us to serve him. Now, some are in a full-time paid capacity. But every person that attends church um, that has experienced Jesus has a responsibility to share Jesus. Mm-hmm. A- and so I think there is a greater emphasis on that now, more strategic in trying to empower and encourage church members. On the flip side, church members are busier than ever uh, Many of them are spending less time in the Word of God Uh across Christendom. Uh And so if you said to someone, would you be able to share your testimony, what what God has done in your life, would you be able to share three or four verses on a particular topic? Some church members... Many church members may not know what to do. I'm interested that you actually you're actually saying this, David, because one of the things that has actually uh, been released just this week, and we did start to talk about uh, with with Eric yesterday, we started to talk about this particular report. Uh, just this week, McCrindle Research has released a major report uh, entitled "The Future of the Church in Australia." Now, uh, listeners can actually pick this report up on online. It's free. It goes for about fifty pages. But what McCrindle did was went and interviewed about 30 significant um, ministry thought leaders around Australia. They've compiled their answers and uh, developed this report, The Future of the Church uh, in Australia. Now, uh, to me, I, I've read a good portion of the report, uh, but uh, one, of the, uh, one of the things that uh, certainly the report highlights is this. There's a need to put responsibility back in the hands of the people, and this is, uh, this is some of their comments. Some Christian leaders believe that a key challenge in Australia is that almost blindly we've pulled the word, the scriptures, back into the hands of the clergy. Now, how would you respond to that? Big silence. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm <laughs> looking at a wall, Gary, and listeners can't see what I'm looking at, can they? I'm just looking blankly at a wall how to respond. I, I believe that um, with the business of society, members, it's, it's often harder for members to step up. Um, ministers are seen as the professionals. Do you think ministers have intentionally pulled the word back uh, into into their own hands? 
I don't believe so. I think certainly if you go through the Middle Ages and in the Protestant Reformation, that, that was certainly the case. You just walk into a, a cathedral and where the pulpit was, it was raised up high and elevated so you mm. would preach down at people. Mm. There was a separation. I don't think that is the intention of ministers in Christianity now. I don't believe that at all. But trying to... Um, if church members and church attendees don't step up and, and allow their gifts to be used that God has given them, then all of this, much of it falls back on the minister. We're living in a world of more compliance these days and all sorts of things. The, the actual mechanisms of running the church is, is, is significant. To what extent do you think that uh, people uh, tend tend to feel, hey, look, you know, um, you know, presenting the scriptures is too hard for me? You know, do you think that is an issue? I do, but I think we need to train people to get them to realise that you don't have to give a sermon, you don't have to give a Bible study. Uh, you look at um, Mark chapter five, the demon possessed man that had the demons cast out of him. He was clothed, sitting in his right mind when Jesus heals him. Jesus doesn't say, go preach. He doesn't say, go give a Bible study. He simply says, go back to your friends and family and tell, tell them what, great what I've done. Yeah. So witnessing and sharing Jesus and ministry is simply connecting with other people in relationships and ministering to their needs. You know, if they're struggling in an area or if you can support them in some way, it's being authentic, it's being genuine, and then praying for opportunities where God can speak through you in simply sharing who Jesus is and what he's done. Yeah, good, good, good. Another church leader actually said believers... um, um believes that there's a a lack of boldness amongst Australians to share the gospel. Now, this issue of boldness is really a key one. You know, I mean, are are Christians bold? I mean, we don't want to be, well, in your face, uh, but at the same time, what's the distinction between being in your face and being bold? Yes, I believe this is one of the significant changes that I've seen in my time in ministry. Mm. And and probably if I went back as far as you, Gary, it would be even further. Now, you're young at heart and young in face and everything else, but it would be even more distinct. Uh, Christianity is being pushed out of the public square, out of the marketplace, uh, where we live in a country where we should be able to have freedom of religion. Mm. Increasingly, it seems, we are living in a world where where there are forces and and interest groups that want freedom from religion. Yeah. And so religion is being pushed. Certainly Christianity is being pushed out of that public square. I think that's actually a very important distinction that you do make there. And certainly in the years in, in my ministry, and I can't believe 35 years have gone, gone by or more than 35 years have gone by in ministry, but uh, people wanting freedom from religion. That certainly wasn't the case early in my own ministry. But I certainly have to acknowledge that right now that is in fact increasingly exactly the, the case that I, I am seeing. So, so that then makes it more challenging for some members to be bold in sharing their faith. On the flip side, and this might seem to um, go back on what I said, on the flip side, um, we're living in a world that accepts quite a number of new things. So people are open to some ideas as well. Mm-hmm. 
yeah. Uh, the, the report actually, and I will finish with this particular statement because I think it does link into what you've been saying. COVID has shown the importance of personal uh, relationship and evangelism in addition to the centralised delivery from the professional clergy. Uh, so in other words, the two have to go together, this personal relationship. Uh, do you think that's something that possibly we might have overlooked within the church? People think about what they have to do. I've got to share some promise. I've got to know what the Bible says on a particular topic. I've got to go and confront someone. Mm. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Yeah, yeah. What Jesus wants us to do is connect with people, yeah. to develop relationships with people. And that makes ministry easy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and let's face it. You know, somebody that you you know, you like your next door neighbour, uh, someone that you're just having a day to day interaction with. Uh, when you're able to to talk to them, and they, you can actually challenge their thinking. I mean, I. I find that's one of the, the the major things, you know, with my friends. I'm able to challenge their thinking in ways that I'm not able to do uh, to those that are, you know, remote from me. So we work within our sphere of influence, and I think that's what God wants us to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, David, thank you. Let's come to some music. This is uh, Salah. Uh, you are uh, my hiding place.
That was uh, Salah. You are my hiding place. What a beautiful song to be able to worship with. Uh, today we've got a, a fantastic uh, book uh, free of charge uh, for uh, for our listeners. Uh, our free offer for today is the book Incredible Answers to Prayer. Roger Morno, uh, folks, if ever you've wanted to hear some stories, some wonderful stories of where God has acted uh, through prayer, then this is the book for you. This is a lovely book. It's about a hundred hundred and twenty twenty or so pages with a a multitude of stories where people are just sharing the way they have been blessed by the Lord God uh, through through prayer. If you'd like a copy of Incredible Answers to Prayer, all you need to do is to text us here at our studio. That's 0438 635 0438 66635 and give us your uh, your name and your address and the book that you're requesting and that book is Incredible Answers to Prayer. Please make sure you put in the, what that book is that you would like because this program is actually uh, re- replayed and uh, we we do get uh, get get some uh, some other requests as well. So please request Incredible Answers to Prayer. And uh, give us your your name and your address. Uh, send it to o four three eight zero double six six three five, and you will really be richly blessed by everything that you read. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q and A with Pastor Gary. Uh, today, our co-host is Pastor David Butcher, and David's the president of the Seventh Day Adventist Church in in South Australia. This week, we're following the theme: How new is the new age? And the question that we're asking today is: What does the Bible say about channeling and mediums? It was an article I picked up just uh, uh, just a little while ago. It was entitled, Why People Are Turning to Astrology and Tarot Cards for Their Mental Health. And this is what it says. Spiritual practices like tarot and astrology have been around for ages, but are now becoming more prominent in the wellness culture. Thanks to Twitter, trendy horoscope apps, uh, and a wealth of information online, it's easier than ever to be able to research tarot, read your horoscope, and examine your birth chart. Often when people are stressed out or experiencing something negative, they want to be able to better understand the why that is behind it, uh, says uh, one clinical psychologist. The owner of a behavioural health and wellness centre in Massachusetts. According, uh, uh, adding that astrology and tarot readings can provide the framework for doing for doing that, even if it's not empirically based. It's also no surprise that practices like tarot and astrology are increasingly coupled with mental health advice. Now, this is something that really concerned me. I mean, this was certainly the, the point of this particular article because this article was trying to uh, push together uh, mental health uh, advice, mental health delivery, and the issues like tarot and astrology and saying, hey, there's no real harm uh, in these particular practices. 
practices. Now, David, this is something that I'm just so conscious. Um, certainly, the whole new age thing came really came alive back in the 70s and the 80s. But in recent uh, recent years, there's actually been a rebirth of this whole uh, a new age uh, type type philosophy, and particularly because of the uh, the internet, because of you know COVID, you had people going online. They're seeking advice. They're seeking direction. And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, this, uh, this therapist is suggesting that there's nothing wrong with putting the tarot, astrology, uh, numerology, all these, uh, all these types of, uh, of practices together with legitimate mental health type practice. And, and more and more, I know that this is actually what is occurring. There is a linkage between the two. Do you think there is a problem with, uh, with these, with these practices? Oh, I do, because I think if we use the Bible as, as the ultimate guide, the Bible speaks clearly on that. And we'll talk on that in a minute. But this is becoming very prevalent, uh, a tie in between health and well-being and wellness, a holistic life. And people are seeking that in an ever-maddening, uh, frenetic world. They're seeking solace. They're seeking time out. They're seeking uh, wholeness yeah. Uh, yeah. And they're, because they're dealing with stress. So they go seek um, you know, um, mental well-being practitioners, all those sorts of things, which is, which is fine. That's, you know, we, we, we str- suffer uh, anxieties and stresses. That's, that's normal. So we seek appropriate therapy. But when we mix that with uh, tarot card readers, fortune tellers, astrology, all of those mm. things, we're mm. on deadly ground. Yeah, and yeah. I know you've covered already this week. I know, I know one of the real challenges is that a lot of people actually, because we've actually moved away from the Word of God as being our, our base and authority, uh, a lot of people actually don't realize that the Scriptures do actually speak fairly strong, very strongly against these particular practices. Very, very strongly. And Satan would rather see uh, on a, a morning talk show on TV, a morning news show, rather have someone come on and uh, tell people what their stars are that day or that sort of thing, mm. or, or at late at night read people's fortunes. Uh, people will believe that. You and a lot s- of people see this as just a, a little bit of fun. You know, this, this is harmless. This is fun. This is just like going and spending just a, you know, maybe a few hours down at the, the football. You know, it's something that you do, but you don't live your life around it. You know, and that's where most people are actually at on this. But- there is, but there's also a level of credibility given to it as well. So some are harmless and fun. Others, oh, they won't leave the house without knowing what their star sign says yeah, that day. Yeah. And yet you try and open the Word of God on TV, you wouldn't even be asked. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we are living in an increasing world, like you said, where people are looking for uh, a connection uh, with not just mental health practitioners and, and well-being, but with astrology and mysticism and the new age movement and meditation and and this is deadly because we're handing over the control of we're emptying ourselves mm. emptying our minds and making it uh, i guess a receptive uh, vessel if you like to evil influences that can come in. Mm, okay, okay. Now share with us what the scriptures do actually say on this subject, Dave. Yeah, look, I guess first of all, Gary, channeling is it's a popular term used for communicating with spirit guides or with the spirits of those who have died. And so we need to look what the Bible says. Is this yeah. okay or yeah. is it not yeah. okay to do? So, 
Yeah, look, I guess, Gary, first of all, Scripture is very, very clear. Just as God's people in the Old Testament were about to enter Canaan, God wanted to warn them about the uh, practices of the nations that were surrounding this Mm. land of Canaan Mm. in which they were going to enter. God is saying, look, uh, I guess it's like this. As a parent with kids going to school, you might say, look, if other kids do this, don't you do it. Or just be mindful that some may do this, but you know that's not right the yeah, right thing to yeah, do. Yeah. God is warning his people, the children of Israel, of not being caught up in the practices of the nations around them. And I guess in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 9 to 12, Deuteronomy chapter 18, this is the last um, sermon, if you like, of Moses before he dies, the book of Deuteronomy, in fact, a series of sermons. Mm. Deuteronomy 18, 9 to 12 says, When you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or daughter pass through the fire, or listen to this, Gary, or one who practices witchcraft or a soothsayer or one who interprets omens or a sorcerer. And omens, I mean, this is tea leaf reading type stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. Or one who conjures spells or a medium or a spiritist, spiritist or one who calls up the dead. For all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord, and because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out from before you. Mm. This is really strong. They're just about to go in. The thing that's interesting to me here, David, is what we've actually got is uh, Moses is obviously talking to his people, but what he's doing is he groups together a number of things. And the first thing he mentions is um, this practice of letting your child, your baby, pass through the fire. And, of course, what we're talking about there is this issue of human sacrifice. The the nations which the Israelites dispossessed, and a lot of people don't realize this, the reason that the Israelites were permitted to dispossess the the people was because they had actually moved into human sacrifice of their own of children. Their own. And at that point, God said, hey, no more. You know, it's time to stop this. And uh, they were sent in, if you like, to clean up the land. That's the first thing that's mentioned. But then you get all these other things as well that are listed. And these are connected, I would suggest, in, in this way. You don't sacrifice your own children. You don't burn a baby if Satan hasn't filled your heart and your life. Yeah. You don't yeah. get into these practices such as witchcraft. And people talk about white wicker, you know, it's harmless. Mm. Witchcraft is witchcraft. Mm. It's from Satan and it's from his angels. You, you don't get into soothsaying and interpreting omens and tea leaves and sorcery and spells, which is witchcraft. You don't work through mediums and, and try and call up the dead if you're not in contact with mm. Satan. Mm, mm, yeah. So Satan is working right through this And God says, hey, these things are an abomination And have nothing to do with them And this is why I'm getting rid of those nations Around where you're going to be going Because yeah. of, as you've said, the things they practice This is a huge challenge to us today Because I'm conscious that increasingly You know, I go into the uh, uh, you know the, the shopping centres And there's so many new age you know shops In even the, the local shopping centre And uh, certainly in there It's possible to have your palm uh, read it's possible to have
have you know, tea leaves red. It's possible to have your tarot uh, red. You go to the local show. You can, you know, all this. And yet these are things that a lot of people actually, they don't realize that God has actually spoken in the scriptures and just simply saying, hey, you know, forget it. Don't do it because you're trusting in some something. And we're talking a power of evil. You're, you're trusting in something and you're not trusting in me. And I think to me, you know, this is the really key thing about this. If in fact you're trusting in these things, you're not trusting in the Lord God Almighty. It's an either or, not a both end. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Gary, I remember um, a number of years ago when I was starting to become a minister, I went to one of these Sunday markets with my wife and we're walking along and we would come through maybe once a month, uh, these markets to buy food and produce and whatever. And, and there was this stall, like you're saying, with a fortune teller with a, an A-frame board out the front and some curtains and bits and pieces and she was sitting in, in there on a t- with a table and a chair the other side and it didn't matter uh, which Sunday we went there more than once happened numerous times that booth was empty beside the fortune teller mm-hmm. and, and what's this story about well I don't know if, if I if someone could tell the future and you weren't yeah. getting any business what would you be sitting there all day for <laughs> with no business now uh, you know what I mean yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think there is within Australia, I think thankfully there is a healthy amount of scepticism. I mean, there are many people who see this as a, as one of those, you know, play things, you know, just like I do the crossword in the women's magazine. So I also read my horoscope and, you know, that's the level. But the thing that I think a lot of people don't realize is, hey, we are actually setting examples. For example, for our children, you know, is this something that, you know, I, you know, I share with my friends because you know my my young people actually hear and other things that I talk about with my uh, with my friends you know and it might only be a joke but hey there are things which I'm passing on uh, to future generations and I believe uh, later on this week there's going to be some sessions on this on our drive time program out there media and all uh, these look, sorts this is of this is going to be this is going to be tomorrow and I really believe tomorrow is going to be a fa- we've got uh, uh, Pastor Fabiano we've got we've got Helen they're going to be sharing about the increasing amount of of, uh, of supernatural emphasis in the media and the impact that that is actually having on on our children at this particular time. I know at one particular point I did certainly some research in order to be able to present to university st- students on this particular subject and uh, it was one of the most intriguing uh, meetings I think that I, I'd ever taken to at, at that particular point in time because what I'm discovering is that more and more of our society is being, if you like, acclimatised uh, to this entire issue. It, we're being softened, aren't we? We as are. You say, we are. For, exactly. for something bigger to come. Yes. Yeah. Gary, Leviticus chapter twenty, verse six. Again, this is Moses mm-hmm. uh, to God's people, and this is what God says through Moses, Leviticus twenty, verse six. And the person who turns to mediums and familiar spirits to prostitute himself with them, I will set my face against that person and cut him off from his people. God is likening. Uh, someone going to see a medium, a channeler, a fortune teller, as someone who is prostituting themselves with someone else. In other yeah. words, it's, it's like you were saying, um, it's either you're with God and you're trusting in him or you're placing your trust in fortune tellers and mediums and Ouija boards and all sorts of things. One of the things that I think, uh, again, that uh, I'm conscious of in, in my ministry that a lot of people actually don't realize is that within the scriptures, what we actually find is that there's a, um, there is a huge battle 
that's actually a taking place, you know, between the forces of good and the forces of evil. And, you know, to me, the passage that comes to mind is actually Revelation chapter 12. And uh, this is something that, you know, people, people have been surprised when I've shared this with them. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. You see, what the scriptures actually talk about is the the fact that there was a time when there was Star Wars up in up in heaven, the angels, Satan, are cast out of, and they're cast to this earth. To this earth, they deceive Adam and Eve. And since then, there's been a spiritual battle. There've been forces of good and forces of evil that have actually taking place on this particular earth. And so many don't realise that there are two forces opposing each other. And you know, the, the thing that I I love is that we've got a God who just simply says, "Hey, uh, come to me. I want to respond uh, to you. Come." to me in prayer uh, and then there's another force that works in a totally different way yeah and i think god is warning us you know in revelation chapter 12 this dramatic insight into this this conflict in heaven where um good angels had been deceived by satan were cast out with him to this earth we're not fighting against flesh and blood as paul yeah, says but against yeah. principalities and powers in heavenly places so what we see here in revelation chapter 12 satan and his angels were cast out to this earth he goes on and he says you know woe to you who live on the earth mm. um, why because satan and his angels have a short time and they they're doing uh, ravaging the earth and trying to deceive and destroy as many as possible. So when we read these texts, such as what we've read in Deuteronomy and Leviticus, I see God as a heavenly parent that is trying to warn their child like I would with a young baby, don't go near that freeway, stay back from the edge of the curb if you like, it's dangerous. Mm. Because you're not meddling with um, some uh, cute little TV show or some little thing that looks like just a bit of a gimmick or a bit of play fun. You're actually engaging with evil angels, evil spirits. And I think of things, you know, Harry Potter. What it's actually doing is setting up so many of our young people to accept uh, a false form of a supernatural influence. Magic and witchcraft. And and, and Gary, we find in Revelation 13 that um, Satan at the end of time will work through powers doing all sorts of miracles and Mm. bringing fire down from heaven, which which I guess is a counterfeit for how God often worked. Yeah, yeah. to tell us, is there something in the uh, – you've mentioned a couple of passages in the Old Testament. Is there something in the New Testament that uh, that you could share with us on uh, on this particular subject? I mean, does the New Testament have anything to say about, about this issue? Yeah, look, absolutely. Um, Mark chapter 1, verses 23 to 26, uh, it says there, there, now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit. In other words, he was possessed. Yes, yes. And he cried out. So this is in the synagogue, in yeah. the church, if you like. And and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know you are the Holy One of God. Now, this is we'll talk about that in a minute. Mm. But Jesus responds. He rebukes him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. So there's some several points here. When we read the Gospels... 
Jesus is walking this earth. Mm-hmm. Jesus with divine eyesight in connection with his Father, as you said at the beginning, through prayer. Connection with his Father through understanding and reading the Word of God and knowing the Word of God, filling his mind with that, can actually see uh, evil and good. And when he's in the synagogue, Satan through his angels, uh, possessing individuals, encounters Jesus. Now something that's interesting in this verse, and it's not the only time it occurs in the Gospel, the evil angels these evil spirits know who God is. Now, that shouldn't surprise us because mm. they were in heaven. They've been cast out. They knew that Jesus was God. Yes. yes. Uh, and yet now they, they believe that Jesus is God more than the people of Jesus' day did. Yeah. Yeah. Today they believe that Jesus is the master and controller of this universe more than they are. They're mm. frightened of him. Yeah. Uh, and, and what Je- does Jesus do there? So. It's interesting because they acknowledge that he is the Holy One of God. Jesus rebukes him and says, be quiet and come out of him. And and then the, 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 the demons, these evil angels that are possessing this man, convulse him and they cry out with a loud voice and they depart. So Jesus commands the evil spirit to come out. In other words, the thing I love about this is that Jesus has authority over the spirit, he he does, and and Gary. Uh, while we're on that, I'm going to flip my Bible to Mark chapter five, the story, like we said at the beginning, of uh, this demon possessed man, and um, Jesus. He comes rushing to Jesus when Jesus and his disciples arrive by boat mm-hmm. on the other side of Galilee. Um, they get out of the boat. Jesus walks up onto the shore, and he's met by this madman running towards him with broken mm-hmm. chains, cuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, matted hair, uh, blood everywhere. He is a man that can't be controlled. He lives in the tombs, and and if you look at the other gospel um, uh, accounts, cutting himself with stones, he falls and rushes at Jesus' feet, crying with a loud voice, What what have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you by God that you might not torment me. And Jesus says to him, Come out of the man unclean spirit. And he asks the man what his name is. Mm. Now, Gary, have you ever forgotten your own name? <laughs> Not my own name. A yeah. few other people's yeah. names. Yeah, I mean, occasionally I will, um, even this last week, I went to call my son Emerson, and I, instead of calling him Emerson, I called him by our rabbit's name, Theodore. <laughs> and it dawned on me, hey, I'm, I'm headed somewhere, right? So this man, Jesus asked him what his name is, And the response is, my name is Legion, for we are many. The man had been um, kidnapped. He'd been hijacked by demons, more than 2,000 demons. So when Jesus says to him, what is your name? He doesn't even know that his name is Bob or John or whatever. His name is simply Legion, a a name given to a a cohort of soldiers. And what you've got here, of course, is the man is actually uh, speaking out, but the person who is really speaking is actually uh, the demons in him rather than what than his natural natural voice. These are evil angels. Yeah. So when we get involved in Wicca, when we get involved in Ouija boards, when we get involved in tarot cards, fortune telling, astrology, all of these things, and going to see uh, channelers, what we're really engaging with is Satan's angels. They will destroy us. That's what they did to this man. So they what you're really saying him. is that this is no game. It is no game. 
It, it is life and it is death. Yeah. It, yeah. It's like being ta- a tree being taken over by a parasite host yeah. that slowly grows and strangles it till it dies. Yeah. Let me take you to Acts. Acts chapter 16, verses 16 to 19, Paul and Silas are in Philippi. They're preaching. And while they're preaching, um, a certain slave girl, it says, Acts 16, 16 to 19, a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us who brought her master's much profit by fortune telling. Mm-hmm. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Now she's telling the truth, these demons, right? Mm. And it says, and she did this for many days. Imagine being followed by a demon possessed person saying that, hey, these men are followers of God and they proclaim the way of salvation. In other words, but she is pestering them. You know, there are others who are starting to react negatively to them. Absolutely. And Paul, it says, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ. It's the name of Jesus Christ that's powerful. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and he came out that very hour. Wow. Wow. So this woman, just like the demon-possessed man we talked about, had been taken over by a host, taken over by evil spirits. So when we enter into all of these sorts of practices that seem harmless, that seem like a bit of fun, uh, it'll give us a bit of life, life's a bit boring, let's try something else, or we'll take you to a new level of of wellness and wholeness, you're actually inviting the evil angels and evil spirits to come into your life and to actually take over. Yeah, and I'm so conscious that even, you know, many of the modern media, I'm thinking, you know, horror horror films that are out there um, certainly have a very similar uh, impact on people's on people's minds. David, look, let's come to some some music. We uh, uh, we are starting to, to 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 lose our time. This is Anthem Lights, a victory in Jesus. All victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Oh, come on. Are you washed in, in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless, are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus There is power, power, unworking power in the blood of the Wonderworking power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other found I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Said nothing but the blood of Jesus. Are you washed in the blood? In the blood of the Lamb 
beside me and bite me With nothing but the blood of Jesus that was Anthem Lights, the Blood Melody, Victory in Jesus. What a what a wonderful song uh, that uh, that is. Uh, you're uh, you're listening to Faith FM. Oh, folks, look, let me just share with you. We do have a wonderful gift uh, for you today. If you would like uh, the book, Incredible Answers to Prayer. You know, um, there are two forces. The scriptures are very clear on this matter, uh, forces of good and forces of evil in, in this particular world. But you know, God, we're going to be talking about this right now. God invites us to bring, come to him in prayer. We're inviting you today to receive a free book. This is uh, Incredible Answers to Prayer by Roger Morneau. This is just story after story of the way that God has actually responded to prayer. He says, hey, look, you don't need all this other stuff. Uh, I want you to come to me. I want you to come to me in prayer. Uh, and this book will tell you... Uh, uh, real stories of things that have happened in the lives of individuals as a result of them coming to the Lord God in prayer. If you'd like a copy of that book, just send your your name. Just write incredible answers to prayer because this program is uh, is replayed. Um, incredible answers to prayer, and uh, give us your 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 name, uh, your address, and uh, and we will get that off to you um, at the at the first uh, possible uh, occasion. Uh, you're listening right. Now to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Today our co-host is Pastor David Butcher, and David's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Oz. Uh, This week we're following the theme, Is the New Age All That New? And the question we're asking today is, what does the Bible say about channeling and and mediums? Dave, really appreciate what you've actually been saying to this particular point in time. I think you've brought things together so well, but I'm conscious that our time is starting to go. How would you actually bring all this together? What would you say to our, our listeners? Yeah, thanks, Gary. So we've looked at a couple of instances where demons through people spoke the truth, recognized that uh, God was in them and they were doing God's work. For instance, Jesus. Just because um, someone may speak truth doesn't mean to say it's of God um, because they were clearly evil spirits. And the reason is because the spirits who respond to the channelers, they are satanic. The spirits are. That's why channeling and mediums is completely abhorrent to God. So how do we, how do we move from that? You know, there's this great power of darkness we've talked about mm. that's destructive and all those things. Uh, I believe there are a couple of key things we can do. And one of them is in James chapter four, verse seven. It's a beautiful, simple text. And it says, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. There's some active things here. The first one is submit to God. Submit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That means to give oneself over to, to surrender to, if you like, to lower myself, empty myself, and allow God in. So when I submit to God, I'm actually acknowledging that I cannot... um, Get rid of an evil spirit. I cannot get rid of evil by myself. Yeah. Or even by myself at all. My part in the process is to say, God, I need you. Yeah. Help me be emptied. Yeah. So when we submit to God, God then fills us through his Holy Spirit. And, uh, David, that may actually mean that, you know, there are some things that I may have to exclude from my life. You know, I'm really conscious that, you know, we find in the book of Acts that, you know, when uh, uh, when this message was actually preached, we actually found a huge number of people came and created a, a bonfire. They bring out all their things to and, burn. And they actually got rid of them out of their... You know, you know, submitting to God does actually mean that some of this material... 
uh, does actually have to be uh, committed to the flames. Well, it's surrendering, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So it's not only surrendering ourselves, but whatever practices or things in our home yeah, or whatever yeah, it may yeah, be yeah. that needs to be gotten rid of. Mm. Because sometimes that's how the devil comes through, yeah. these evil spirits. Yeah. So when we empty ourselves, when we submit to God, we then are filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm. When we invite the Holy Spirit in, we are able to resist the devil. Yeah. You can never resist the devil on our, on our own, yeah. but only through the power of Jesus. And the result of submitting to God and resisting the devil is he will flee from you. Yeah. He'll run away like a, a, a scared rabbit. Wow. When we surrender wow. ourselves to God. That's an amazing picture, actually. <laughs> well, I've seen a few. We've got two rabbits at the moment. When I walk outside, one of them scoots away like anything. Now, it's interesting. Uh, in Luke ten seventeen, uh, the 70 uh, followers, disciples, had gone on a missionary journey. They come back to Jesus, and they say, they return with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Yeah. Power yeah. in the yeah. name of Jesus. Yeah. That's a wonderful promise. Ephesians chapter 6 also, mm. I think, gives us some very strong directives and yeah. practical things yeah. about this warfare between good and evil. Yeah. Share it with us. Yeah. Chapter 6 of Ephesians verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So Paul is saying, look, don't just put on a helmet. Yeah. You have to put on everything. Yep. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand, therefore, having put on your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and taking up the shield of faith, uh, he says, with which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So what's he saying? He's saying we can only fight the evil one by putting on the whole armor of God. We don't have armor in and of ourselves. It has to be God's armor. Mm -hmm. uh, and two things he mentions there are key. Uh, one or three, actually, the shield of faith. We need to believe that in Jesus' name, just like mm -hmm. we've said. Believe in Jesus' name uh, that we can quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. We need to also uh, take up the sword of the Spirit, which Paul says is the Word of God. Mm. And that's how Jesus confronted Satan in the wilderness. So in other words, tempted. I'm actually including in my life certain things and excluding other things. Absolutely. In, in other words, we're like a bucket. Mm-hmm. We're full. Mm -hmm. Some stuff has to be emptied out and we have to be refilled with the good stuff. Mm. So we have to, as you said, be spending time with God every day in the word of God, which Paul says is the sword of the spirit. It's a weapon. Wow. Sword of the spirit. And then he says, praying always with all prayer and supplication. And prayer is really the key to this whole thing, isn't it? You know, Because what I'm conscious of is that our God invites us to come to him in prayer because he actually wants to respond to our uh, to our needs. And as I look at this, I turn around and I say, what a wonderful God we've actually got. He's wanting to do for us what so often we're entrusting to a different power. Instead of going to the fortune tellers, come to me in prayer, God says. Yeah, yeah. 
And look, what you said, prayer is important in this. I'm reminded of um, Mark chapter 9, Matthew 17, where Jesus and his disciples come down from um, uh, the mount um, where he was transformed and transfigured. And down below is a father with his son that's demon-possessed. The disciples Mm. couldn't get rid of the demon, but at the end Jesus says this one can come out by... Prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Prayer is critical. Yeah, you know, I, I love First John. I actually called this is the books of Little John, not the Gospel of John. This is John's letters. I love because these are so fatherly. And uh, what he finishes off his first uh, letter, the letter of Little John, First uh, John, he finishes it off in this way. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that if he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we will have the petitions that we asked of him. You know, as I sort of look at that, I say, hey, here's a fantastic, this is a wonderful promise. This isn't uh, something that, you know, might perhaps happen. This is something that is just absolute confidence. This is a man who has actually prayed, who understands what prayer is all about. And he says, hey, look, you know, don't go to, you know, the, to the fortune teller down the road that is going to a source that, you know, that flees from me. Come to the real force. Come to the real force. Exactly. It's like you've been beat up around the corner and suddenly God walks around and, and the enemy Indeed. flees. Indeed. Finally, yeah. Gary, last, last text. Yeah, we it's, do need to finish. It's on prayer. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and yeah. turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, heal their land. God just wants us to connect with him through prayer, yeah. through the yeah. study of the word, Second Chronicles 7.14. So we want to challenge our listeners, don't we, Gary? Yeah, indeed we do. Look, I, I'm just wondering, David, how would you just like to pray? Because I'm just so really conscious that there may be some of our listeners who are really struggling. On, on some of these these issues. They may have things that are going on in their life that they need to have resolved. I just want to pray right now that uh, that, that you uh, will, will ask that the Lord God will, will touch them. And if there are any um, uh, evil influences in their life, that they will in fact be expelled. Uh, would you pray for that? Let's do that. Father in heaven, uh, we live in a world that has evil, a world that is full of deception, a world that has so many allurements and things to deceive us and trap us and occupy our focus, our attention and consume us. And Lord, those things don't bring satisfaction. Those things don't resolve in, result in fulfillment, but instead in emptiness and heartache and despair. Mm-hmm. And Lord, we know that. So, Father, I pray if there's anyone out there listening that is struggling, Lord, to give something up or is struggling with these things, I pray, Lord, that you will convict them, that they will invite you into their life. They will, they will ask the Holy Spirit to challenge them with whatever it may be that they need to get rid of or give up or remove from their home, Lord, or their life. And I pray, Lord, that when they do that, that's that humbling themselves. I pray that you will fill them as they've been emptied with your spirit, that they will resist Satan, Lord, that they will experience fulfillment not through astrology or witchcraft or mediums or soothsayers or fortune tellers, but through the peace that comes only through the blood of Jesus Christ and the filling that comes with the Holy Spirit into our life. Father, help us to submit to Jesus, resist the devil, and the promise we have is that he will flee from us. May you be with our listeners, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, folks, it it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary, Pastor David Butcher on Drive Time, big Q&A. 
Please join us tomorrow when Pastor Fabiano asks, how should the Christian relate to the supernatural in films and gaming? Really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. Uh, Please enjoy Anthem Lights, a wonderful medley. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of His glory and grace To Jesus I surrender all To Him I freely give I will ever love and trust Him In His presence daily Savior in the light of his glory.